0: Jewish tradition certainly posits that uh, the, the temple in Jerusalem is, is a microcosm of the world. We can find that in Jewish traditions. Um, and, and it seems from my you know readings that, that Newton was fascinated with, with Solomon and the temple and saw something very special and unique about the temple in Jerusalem. What 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 did he see in it, and what was his beliefs regarding that?
1: Um, well, I think there are three three things. I'll try and go through them briefly. I mean, one of them he has different projects, th- different theological projects. Uh, one project is uh, <coughs> essentially to to prove that the ancients, so the most ancient uh, people of all. Uh, so again, we go back to Noah. Uh, we we go to Moses. That these people were essentially Newtonians, and he thinks that um, these the Hebrews worshipped in what they thought was God's temple. So they they, they didn't the if you like it, it's not that the universe was uh, spiritualized, but it was a temple that was created by God. So God had created the universe for us to study it. And I think that's important because for Newton, it means that there's something uh, divine about the study of the natural world, because the natural world is the temple of God. It isn't God. It isn't God, but it is created by God for us to examine. Um, The second element where the temple is very important, I think, is that the the Jewish temple and the tabernacle are um, the templates for... Uh, Newton's uh, mystical, as he puts it, or or spiritual understanding of uh, God's relationship with his people. So in Revelation, which is the last book of um, the New Testament, much of Revelation is a description of uh, the Jewish temple and the tabernacle in particular, where um, God lays down the sacred history of the world uh or rather the, the the lamb um lays down for uh the the prophet john uh, a book which is the history of the end of the world i think that's very important solomon's temple again there's a there's a project on solomon's temple which is something that newton took uh, very seriously but the the project on solomon's temple is a is a an interesting project it's a metrological project i think uh, which is where Newton took uh, a number of texts, including you know the, the Masoretic text, the uh, Septuagint, and numerous other texts, some of them Babylonian, uh, to try and work out what the ancient uh, Jewish unit of the cubit was. And I think that's a very humanist project. So it, it's it's a very uh, Christian scholarly project, which is to try and use mathematics uh, and astronomy. And textual exegesis to understand, uh, obviously, the true dimensions of Solomon's temple. I think that's very important. But more important, perhaps, for Newton is to try and work out exactly what, in the modern world, in terms of feet and inches, the, the true divine unit was. Now, why he did that, that's a very interesting question. I mean, what I would say is that that is what many scholars in Europe did. Um, and so, in a sense, by doing that, Newton is, is uh, aligning himself with uh, traditional Christian scholarship. Uh, and there were a number of people who were trying to do that. If you like, it's a duty of Christians to um, determine the true meaning of the text. So that, that is what we call humanism. It's a or part of humanism. It's a very uh, the, the effort to find the authentic original meaning of the text is very important. I mean, you can see that obviously in the, in the creation of the, the Masoretic text of the Hebrew Bible is, is itself an, a, an attempt to lay down the authentic text. Uh, and, you know, Christians inherit that, that search for authenticity, for truth.
0: That's, that's fascinating. There, there, there is um, a tremendous amount of research taking place now in Israel Regarding the temple, there's temple institutes, model temple, temples. There's, there's a tremendous amount of research going on in that area. Newton's um, familiarity with Maimonides. Um, yes. Is that is that is, is that a part of, again, his whole approach to religion and idolatry and yes. package that he brings to the table?
1: I think the, his interest in Maimonides is 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 largely in terms of uh, idolatry uh newton spent a vast amount of time um reading the translations of maimonides by uh Vossius, fossius um because he as i said earlier on i think he wants he, he believes that there is this innate human tendency to idolatry uh there's an innate human tendency if you like for priests for crafty priests um, who to engage in priestcraft and to create false religions, um, or to to pull true religions away from core truth. So it's not just about doctrine. Um, I mean, Newton's Newton's not really interested in doctrine as much as he's interested in practice, um, and I think that's very important. You know, if if you are to ask me what what is the key lesson that Newton draws from the Hebrew Bible, it is how to lead a godly life um so for newton maimonides um lays out (coughs) in detail what the true religion is uh, as as if you like in in opposition to to idolatry um and you know maimonides um refracted through Vossius and others um describes how how it was that the chosen people uh in captivity, but also more generally, um, became prey to idolatrous practices. And th- that is something that captivated the interest of scholars, particularly in England in the late 17th century. The, the, there's, there's widespread debate about um, the nature of the debasement of the Israelites. Um, how was it that uh, they were perverted? during their capture during their enslavement i mean how was it that they were pulled out of that enslavement um to what extent were they corrupted through you know e- efforts to um or or but by by the egyptians basically you know to, to what extent had uh, egyptian learning infected uh the the true religion and that that's something again i think that lies at the heart of newton's study of history is How do core doctrines, uh, particularly emanationism, which he finds in Kabbalah uh, and a whole series of other traditions, the the idea that there's this original God who physically emanates or this original ensof or original supreme being who physically emanates the creation out of himself. Then Newton takes that to be the core form of idolatry, to, to believe that God is physical. Is is the I think the most pernicious thing for Newton. It's to you know we following Spinoza and others you know to to believe that is to anthropomorphize in in a way that we we know is the most it's the it's the tendency of all human beings to do, and it's difficult not to do it. But religion requires that you do not anthropomorphize, and you know physicalizing God's relationship to his creation is the the most infantile and seductive way in which uh peoples in the past including the jews uh including the egyptians uh including the greeks uh including christians they've all done it and the the job of restorers and and um you know people like uh abraham moses newton (laughs) and jesus christ uh the job of these people is to pull People back to the true religion, and that that is to to point out the dangers of anthropomorphism
0: we we have a tradition in jewish tradition that that Abraham wrote four hundred books um on idolatry right describing different idolatries and and yeah. the case obviously for monotheism where, where would Newton fit in today religiously like I mean, you know we're we're in hmm. the year that coming up to two thousand twenty one would he just be like viewed as just totally eccentric, um, not part of any group, or would he be identified as a, as you as you earlier said, a judeo Christian humanist?
1: I think that's a very difficult question because, um, the his I think his religious views do not map very easily onto today. Okay, um, but it's, it's a good question. Uh, at one level, he is a, a radical Christian, um, how would you say, a philo-Semitic um, evangelical okay. uh, who believes that the world is about to end um, and has strong connections to Israel. Um, but one of the conditions of the end of the world is that the Jews will be converted to Uh, A a proper form of Christianity, but the proper form of Christianity owes a great deal for Newton to uh, the 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 morality of the Hebrew Bible. Newton is passionately opposed to those religions that become totemic corruptions of Scripture. So, for example, uh, Roman Catholicism, Roman Catholicism. Contains for Newton the number of uh, the perversions, diabolical, they're like literally diabolical perversions of the true religion, both in terms of doctrine, uh, in terms of ritual, and in terms of practice. Um, so Newton it is, in in some ways, someone that liberals would call a bigot. You know, he's he is uh, opposed to those kinds of uh, religion. He he's he's deeply opposed. He he hates them. On the other hand, the key thing about Newton is that he 's a, a tolerationist <laughs> that doesn't mean he 's tolerant. it means that he believes that um, in that there is a separation of church and state that there should be a separation of church and state, and that states should not interfere in the practice of religion um, and he thinks that religions should not engage in violence Uh, religions should only with great difficulty excommunicate people uh, from their own midst Um, religions that that seek to be or that purport to be true religions should be ultra-tolerationist so they they should be latitudinarian they should be of a broad swallow so powerful religions are religions that allow people like himself uh, to exist And, you know, we would say that his religious commitments are reflexive. That is to say, what he says about the past, and particularly in the first century after Jesus Christ, where you have uh, Ebionites, Nazarenes. So you have Christianized or Christianizing Jews and you have Judaizing Christians. Um, Newton takes that to be the ideal, the ideal before it all went wrong. Uh, there was a community of all these different peoples, the people of the circumcision, people who were not of the circumcision and they tolerated each other. His key thing about the church of England is that the church of England should accept people like him in it, but he is an anti-Trinitarian. So he denies the core <laughs> assumptions of Christianity for, for most Christians. He is not a Christian. And I think that is why he has to keep his views very secret and, and, until he died you know only very few people knew what he believed um but for him the true religion is marked out by its capacity to uh, allow uh, a a a vast range of people with different beliefs Um, because you know the, the the violent expulsion of certain kinds of people shows that that religion is actually the religion of the devil that that's how it most reveals itself to be diabolical is in its violent expulsion of people it takes to be uh ungodly so i I think that that is the key thing about about newton um but of course you you could argue as we, we find in the in enlightenment 18th 19th centuries that people who are tolerationist get very upset with religions that are not (laughs) tolerationist <laughs> you know? and and newton is, is stuck in that in that view but he, his world is one of you know he, he's a protestant and most protestants in england and in europe are and are deeply hostile to roman catholicism so in many ways he's like his fellow countrymen in other ways he's much more radical um
0: this is fascinating um in conclusion, what's the message that you try to give to young people today, um, to get them interested in exploring science, Newton, history, religion? Uh, how do we do that? How does our generation give these, these, you know, give this over to, to the next generation who seem to have a, smaller attention span these days? Uh, How how do we do that? Um, That's a very
1: difficult question, again. (laughs) (laughs) All all I can say is that uh, I I think scholarship is one of the few ways in which people around the world uh, can come together. Um, And one of the great things about schools and universities and collaboration between different peoples is that it it provides hope for uh, humanity, um, that we can get beyond, uh, you know, sometimes very narrow, pointless differences. Um, And I think scholarship is important. So doing scholarship for its own sake, that's important. On the other hand, you know, doing... We we look at the work on vaccines and so on for, for COVID... It's also important that people throw themselves into activities that are beneficial to human beings. Um, both those things are, are are important. It's important to let interested, committed, enthusiastic, and talented people, um, you know, concentrate their energies into things that are beneficial for humanity, whether it's curing disease or or being able to collaborate um, in in terms of scholarship. Even if they're abstruse and seemingly without uh, any any direct benefit to humanity, like uh, understanding why Newton took Solomon's Temple so seriously, um, I think that these are these are important. You know, so there has to be a space for doing things for their own sake.
0: Okay, very good, um, Professor Adler. Thank you very very much. This has been um, extremely uh, fascinating, and uh, appreciate taking the time today to speak with us. Thank you.
1: Well, thanks for having me, Ari.